walk into a stadium, 8,000 people, they all want you to lose. But as long as you got your 26 guys ready to kick ass or kick butt, you're going to be all right. Sorry, I swear. Good day, everyone. It's another episode of the Shock Factor podcast where I, Stephen Shock, am joined by Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, leading up to it, I'm overwhelmed. So much has happened. Um, I feel like so many people expect me to know so much about baseball, but I I don't know everything about baseball. Do you guys know everything about baseball? Not yes. even in the slightest, Steve. Oh, oh, see, already some disagreements. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Jake, Jake, you said yes. I said not even in the slightest. Jake, why do you feel like you know everything? Ask me any baseball thing, and I'll know it right away. Oh, jeez. It's my Moises Alou. Um, <laughs> the answer is Enrique Bradfield. Uh, this was, a, like Steve said, an overwhelming weekend. It was the, but in a good way, not overwhelming in like uh, having a nosebleed on a math exam, which I did once, but overwhelming like getting married. And what happened this weekend is all of us got married to the first weekend of college baseball, of D1 college baseball, and it was a glorious scene. Teams across the country back in action. 85, the, the quadruple quintuple box up with Steve on the couch. Jordan and I didn't consume as much, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But it was a truly joyous occasion, and we're very amped to talk about it. Now, before we get into it, though, I do want to say, if you're listening to this, the Shock Factor podcast on the D1 Baseball Network, make sure you go and get yourself a D1Baseball.com subscription. It is worth your time. It is worth your money. Do it, or else I will TP your house. So, you Steve, go. Steve, let's kick it to you, my friend, because you are your name is on the show, and people care about you more than they care about us. So, walk us through the logistics of your weekend of watching the first batch of college baseball this year. Uh, it, it's crazy. I order a lot of food, so I treat it just like any other weekend. Um, but. I, I literally, I wake up in the morning, I check Twitter, see what happened in college baseball. Then I go down to my couch where I pull out my laptop and check Twitter again because I'm not great at using the internet. I'll be the first to admit it. Sometimes I need a bigger screen to consume all that stuff. I don't have the best vision. And I feel like the more I see, the more I can share. So I, I, I put this pressure on myself where if something happens in college baseball, I want everyone to know about it. I don't care if Enrique Bradfield Jr. is diving and sneezes while he catches a ball and it's just like a normal play for him. I, to me, that's like the greatest thing that's ever going to happen, and I want to share it with the world. So that's where that's the place I am coming from when I'm tweeting about college baseball. So naturally, I get on that couch. I am in the zone. I cannot think about anything else. Um, I got told by several people today that I, I felt distant from them. And that's true because I was looking at college baseball and it, it's my life. You know, it consumes me like it, it is a complete blur meals I've had over the past two days, breaths I've taken, poops I've taken, whatever it may be. It's a complete blur. All I know is college baseball is back and it's back in a big way. It, it is indeed, and it is so, it's so comforting to just see the strings of Big Donkey 47 tweets of just like, just you're bouncing around the, the country. And I know that people are sending these highlights, but you're seeing all the two. 
Now, this is also an important caveat to say that on this show, it's impossible for us to talk about everybody. Now, we're going to do our best to distill our favorite things we saw this weekend, um, both in person, as Jake and I will talk about later, and Steve on his couch with his computer and his television. So, Listen, we are obviously not going to get to everything, but we will do our best to talk about our favorite things. So that's what the first half of the show is going to be. Steve's going to tell us about his favorite things that he saw this weekend, and hopefully we saw them too. Um, but if not, uh, we will we will be more than delighted to be informed about some of the best things that happened in college baseball this weekend. So, Steve, where would you like to begin? Because there's there's no wrong answer here, uh, and no pressure, but there's also that's no not right true. answer. Oh, that's oh. not true. There is a wrong answer. Oh, there is a wrong okay. answer. I oh. caught... I caught the end of Maine versus Pitt uh, down here, and that was fine. So I wouldn't okay. start there. That would probably be a wrong but answer. It was just fine. Which you just started with. So thank you for failing the exercise. I appreciate that. Uh, Steve, please uh, move us in a little bit more of an exciting direction than Maine versus Pitt. All due respect. Uh, where would you like to begin? First favorite thing of the weekend was just an absolute thriller. It was a clip that when I watched it with no context, like the clip is very immersive. It's Long Beach State University. Let me say the set the scene for you. They're down five to four against Wichita State. And someone comes sauntering up to the plate by the name of Rocco Pepe, which I don't know if it's, you know, pronounced like that at all. It's just a very fun name. He comes up to the plate, smacks a Go ahead, two-run walk-off bomb. I guess, you know, if I say walk-off, I probably don't have to say go ahead. But, you know, you get the point. But you may think, Steve, walk-offs happen all the time. There were so many other walk-offs. What made this one special? Oh, you are so wise and handsome to ask. This game, Rocco Pepe, it is known, public knowledge, that he was walking out to Rockstar by Nickelback. And most notably, in this song... In the very opening verse, I'm through with standing in line to clubs I'll never get in. It's like the bottom of the ninth, and I'm never going to win. But Rocco Pepe's coming to the plate. He's saying, this is probably what the pitcher's going to think after I hit this. So that shit was awesome. And the clip they got of it, like whatever content person they had, was in the dugout. They were on the field, into, into the mayhem at home plate, and... All I could think about was Nickelback, you know. He wants a he wants a bathroom he can hit a walk off in. <laughs> yes, I mean it's again that 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 song and and I know I think you you tweeted a little bit more tweeting about Nickelback, uh, Steve. So it's important that you're getting this stance on the record because I know this is a band and, and a a brand of music that does instill kind of inspire a lot of strong takes. And here's where I stand on this: I'm mostly with you. Except I think this particular song is absolutely horrible. <laughs> like I will defend I will defend other Nickelback songs before I defend this song. But it seems like you both disagree with me. And either way, what I want to know is is this a reference to his name, Rock, Rocco? Or is it is he like a diehard Nickelback fan in general? That's what I want to know for the rock star, like how this came about. So again, Rocco Pepe, let us know. But Steve, you seem you both seem horribly offended. Is this is this your guy's favorite Nickelback song? This song rules. Yeah, this song fucks pretty heavily. Um. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm just being honest with where I'm at on, on this one. I mean, I agree with everything you said about how amazing this video is. I'm just saying. It if is. We're, if we're I don't. Okay, let me say discourse. this. I don't know if it's a good song, 
but it is certainly a song that we talk about and are talking about right now. It's there true. will be moments in my life where I'm just doing regular things and into my head will pop, I need a bathroom I can play baseball in. <laughs> right? And like that is a legacy. And whether or not it's a good one, that's up for debate. But it, it is a legacy. Steve? Yeah. I mean, it's the shock factor of the music. That's the art, right? It's, you know, if art makes people talk, then it's good art, regardless of if it looks like shit, right? <laughs> Attaboy. I love that thought. So Rocco Pepe, it, let us know. Let's DM Steve and let him know why specifically this song because it really you cashed in the moment right away i don't think you should walk up to this anymore unless it's the bottom of the ninth i think you can only use this in the bottom of the ninth that's a great Um, point because you think about choosing this walkout and you're like "Hmm, what context would this be like the most badass it can be and he probably was like this moment against wichita state yeah uh steve you um obviously love this for all these reasons you know what else you have in common with Rocco Pepe oh god he's not a supermodel too is he (laughs) the next best thing he was amazing for the Bethesda big train oh my goodness (laughs) Rocco Pepe a big train alum you love to see it I was giving him props and I didn't even know how much I loved him already I would bet against him doing two-a-day pandas but you know maybe we're selling the kids short Steve, let's move on to your second thing from the weekend. The world in college baseball, so much to choose from. Take us somewhere else. Second thing, this may shock a lot of people, but I'm taking you to the field of wherever Virginia Tech was playing. Can't remember the name of the field. And <laughs> as you guys may may recall, uh, last year there was a little bit of controversies surrounding Virginia Tech and their use of you know, heavy machinery on the baseball field, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this year, the NCAA, I don't know if a what? hammer is machinery. <laughs> it depends how you, it, either way you swing it. Um, no, I don't know. Um, but whatever, they brought their tools. They brought the tool belt out and they, the NCAA said, no, you can't do that. So they hit a lot of home runs today, at least two. Um, but the first home run, they use the hammer, I believe. This is all based on reporting from fans, from what they've told me, and I trust people. So they used a hammer, first home run. Second home run, well, after the first home run, umpire's like, hey, <laughs> we can't do that. Easy, so, partner. <laughs> get that thing. They, he, he ejected the hammer. He said, you're out of here. I said, I bet they just used a bat. Who who would have thought we could have? We could have just done that the whole time, you know? And... <laughs> And they can't take away the bats. Where are they going to be like, hey, you can't bring those here? Because then their games are going to be super boring because they're going to go undefeated with zero bats because pitchers are going to be so domed up thinking about, oh, God, I gotta, I, I can't make them swing it. Like finesse guys, you're done because you're, you're trying to get swing and misses. You can't get those. You're competing with the mitt. And in your head, you're like, shit, I got to do this. It, it's not going to work. I remember, <clears throat> sorry, a little longer here. App State, we had an inner squad inside where hitters weren't allowed to swing. It took five hours just because <laughs> because they weren't allowed to swing. Wow, I Please. can't believe you guys didn't make it to Omaha with that type of off-season programming. Uh, I, <laughs> the way that you describe it, Steve, reminds me of my favorite chirp from college, which would be when an opposing hitter struck out looking, we would scream, 
Bat's a prop. <laughs> and in this that case, so bat, well. quite, bat quite literally a prop. Kudos to Virginia Tech because, like, in our heads, that's all we've been thinking about with this program over the offseason was how are they going to react to no hammer. And it day, like, weekend one, it wasn't even a problem at all. The, just so you know, Steve, this was at, at College of Charleston. So for them to break out the hammer game one or whatever, series one on the road, like, they were they were ready to rock. I also have to imagine, that also implies that they brought it. They traveled with the, with the band hammer <laughs> to Charleston, which is absolutely amazing that they were like, well, we're going to homer. Let's just see how this goes. And then they were like, all right, well, here's our backup plan. And I guess they'll continue to do that. The other thing that is hilarious about it, like, John Chef, who we have described as he seems pretty tight ass and not a uh, tight ass, not in a necessarily a negative way. Just want to say, he I mean, seems very working. serious. He seems, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is at work. Yeah. And it is working. He, he seems like a very serious man. And the juxtaposition of him and the hammer is hilarious. Like, did they have to have a team meeting to discuss the hammer? Do you think? Not including John Chef. I think possibly, but not like an official from the top down. Like maybe it was discussed with some assistant coaches, but I don't know, Steve. What do you, what do you, how do you I, think this was planned? I could see it being like an idea that was formed in the team group chat. Like, hey, guys, do you think it would be sick if we did this? And then eventually the seniors all got together and were like, okay, we know our head coach. This is probably going to be a no, but we're just going to go in and present our best foot forward. My, my last thought on this, you mentioned how he ejected the hammer itself. I don't think any players were, were ejected or punished for this. What, what, what is the punishment if they just brought the hammer back out next weekend? I don't know. Would they find the organiz- Would they find the team? Would they like, I, I'm very curious about that. Well, what I think would be funny is if they just keep bringing new stuff that they have to ban, right? We do it, we come out and we do it with a shovel and we come out and we do it with a broom and we come out and we do like, how many things can we get banned by the, by the uh, ACC umps? I, I mean, I'm a challenge maybe issued it- to you guys. If you are a Blacksburg hardware store, please reach out to the Virginia Tech baseball team. We have a very, <laughs> very potentially profitable idea for you. Exactly. Ace is the place with the home run props. Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> uh, Steve, take us to another uh, thing that you liked in college baseball this weekend. Uh, Wake Forest as a whole. Um, have you guys, you guys heard about them? Pretty I, good. They're, Not they're only it. did I hear about them, Steve, I felt them this weekend. You did. They made me feel them, I think. Yeah. Nick, Nick, I believe it's Kurtz, Nick Kurtz, yep, their first Kurtz. baseman. Mm-hmm. He made balls lose feeling um, forever, <laughs> I think. He just absolutely daddy hacks up there, and it was really fun to see. N- Nick Kurtz is a great example of, I was talking to someone about this at at one of the college games I went to this weekend, like sophomores exist in a very interesting place in college baseball because it's like, you're not eligible, so I'm not thinking about you for the draft and you're not the hotshot freshman. And so you have to be like, holy shit amazing for me to be focused on you big time coming into the year. And Nick Kurtz has elevated to that degree where I am still tuning in to watch Nick Hurts even if he is not going to get picked this year same thing you can say about you know Vance Honeycutt and a couple other guys but as far as first base we go yeah I mean that is he's got crazy 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 pop yeah sophomore season really is like the Stephanie Tanner from full house season like just that 
you know, not not going to be a main character, but definitely going to be in every season, you know, never going away to camp. But sophomore season is going to be in every season. You can't you um, can't skip it. It's still part of the story. <laughs> it's just yeah, not, yeah, that part. It's just not the one where I'm most locked into it. So, uh, but yes, Nick Kurtz, a good shot. But, but a lot, I mean, their pitching was amazing, right? I mean, what else from Wake Forest? Yeah, Wake Forest, they're just a very complete team. Like, if you want to go and see great quality pitching, they got Rhett Lauder, Seth Keener, like all sorts of guys. Teddy McGraw, Cam Man- Mancini, I believe is his last name. Minacci, Minacci. Minacci, dang it. <sighs> <laughs> not not great at Italian last names. My bad. But they they just have a little bit of everything. And you want to see Gold Glove defense, Nick Kurtz does that too. Like, it, it's unbelievable. I, I really think they're going to be really good this year. And as we mentioned in our preview about the ACC, for all their hype, has not been to Omaha since 1955. So it, if they do get there, even though they've been a relevant team over the last 10 years, like that would be a huge, 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 huge deal. So, uh, yeah, early early signs are very good for Wake Forest. Jake? Um, Steve, yeah, one more thing, I think, before we take a break. So your Twitter, you changed your Twitter header yeah. to Stanford? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you consider that a jinx, considering what happened to Stanford over the weekend? No, 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 no. This is actually one of number number four of my topics from this weekend. Is you may see on the Google Doc we have YouTube.com backslash Will It Blend. Do you see? As yes. you may, yeah, as I you was going to ask about from that. Being twelve, um, I watched a lot of YouTube videos of whether or not different household objects would get blended. You know, where, iPhones, where we need iPods. this Blendtech sponsorship, dude. Oh my god! Will all these teams with really good players blend? You know, <laughs> that that's, that's my great. thing. I want to see them on on the YouTube channel. Stanford baseball will it blend? You know, all these teams they got all these different guys from different places. When it, it's not a question of will it blend? I know these teams are going to blend it out. And they're going to be great. It's a question of when it'll blend, you know? So if there were a YouTube called When Will It Blend, um, <clears throat> then I would have put that in. But unfortunately, that one didn't take off like Will It Blend, so. But to your point, though, Stephen. Now, one, I wanted to say, Jordan, one, it, we should note that one team that did blend or appears to have done some proper blending already is the Louisiana State University Tigers who are very much the story of college baseball this year. And now granted they played Western Michigan, who is not exactly the 27 Yankees and they whooped them 10 to zero, five to three and nine to two, but it was a pretty sh- thorough showing from LSU. They do you think that they've already blonde? Have they blooded? I, I think they did. Cause they, they showed a lot of the skills connecting with each other. You know, it wasn't just individual plays that were making, you know, making things go for LSU. It was things like, you know, hitting behind the runner, maybe doing a hit and run, things like that. And I, I do want to talk on Western Michigan though, because I think they battled their absolute bags off and it needs to be talked about more because I don't know how many people know this, but how, how would you guys reckon would be the best way to travel from the state of Michigan to um, I don't know somewhere like Louisiana, Pro- probably I would air fly like who fly. I in think the you're sky. gonna say yeah. f- fly, but as someone who literally rode their bike 
from New York City to Western Michigan's actual field, I am open to really anything. Yeah, okay. Um, how would you imagine a college baseball team would like to make that trip? Probably a plane, right? Well, they didn't have that um, this weekend. They they got on their bus at 5 a.m. the day before and rode all the way there because their flights got canceled. And they still put on a pretty good showing for Western Michigan. And honestly, that's there were so some- tough, dude. That's so tough because it's like that happens and then it's not like you have to get to go play like some fucking schlub like you're literally getting on a bus and while you're bussing down there like i'm sure western michigan believed in themselves and they did compete i understand that but like there's this sense of dread of like you're being led like lambs to the slaughter it's just this slow trudge down through the middle of america all the way to you know become tiger bait i was impressed though the, the guy that stood out to me jordan this cade sullivan kid at first base he made a sick play defensively and dropped an absolute tank. There you go. That's a that's a new name for me. So I I'll have to I'll have to flag that down for all my uh, future Mac. They're in the Mac, right? They got to be in the Mac. I assume that's that's. Yeah, some, I would assume some, so. Some action, yeah. But you know LSU is so stacked, Steve, and we saw a lot of contributions over the weekend already. Gavin Dugas homered, Dylan Cruz homered. They have so many names. The one that didn't spend a lot of time on the field, and we probably should mention this, is Tommy White. What happened to Tommy White? Uh, So Tommy White dove back into a base on a pickoff in the first game, and then he left the game. But I'm optimistic that it's because he wanted to just hang out in the dugout instead of playing in the field, maybe, and hitting. So that's what I tell myself, that he, he just wanted to hang out with his friends more, and he felt doing defense and going to the plate was taking too much time away from that. So, cause they blended so well, you know, and that it's over blending maybe. So Tommy white, who is probably the most famous college baseball player in America, I would say after what he did last year, he, it looked really bad in the moment, but they said that it's just a dislocated shoulder and they popped it back in and it'll be okay, which is hilarious because if I did that, I would be such a baby about it <laughs> and I would not hop right back in. So hopefully he's back next week. The other guy who stood out to me from LSU was Paxton Kling. Mm-hmm. That guy is going to be a big deal. Like the hair and the beard. He looks like he's 45. He's a freshman. My, my takeaway was, again, what we talked about in the SEC preview, the pitching was freaking ridiculous, and we didn't haven't even seen Thatcher Hurd yet. Um, but and I know they lost Grant Taylor right before the season, you know, to TJ. But Skeens was ridiculous. Riley Cooper, your boy Riley Cooper, was ridiculous. Um, Christian Little looked great out of the bullpen. And like again, I just keep thinking about Wes Johnson, man. Like if he's going to turn all those guys into just absolute freaks, like that is because we weren't we didn't have to think about Tommy White that much because they have all these other guys and their pitching is going to be this good. So that that was the thing that I was most scared of. But hopefully Tommy Tanks is back very soon. I also really just love Christian Little out of the bullpen because you think about it when you're facing like a team's good starter, you're like, okay, guys, let's just take pitches. Let's foul them, foul them off, have some long ABs, wear them down a little, get them, get them out of the game, get to the bullpen. And then you get Christian Little come in. It's like, what do you do? It's, that's not fun. And I'm sure whoever's right behind him is also disgusting. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're playing them, just, just good luck. Um, they're really good. Know that. You guys want to take a quick break? 
Let's yeah. take a quick break, and we will return uh, in a little while for the second half of the first regular season episode of the Shock Factor Podcast in 2023. This week's episode is brought to you by Loud Mom. Are you opening your college baseball season on the road in Florida? Is it going to be an empty spring training stadium that is near neither of the teams playing in the game? Are you worried about a totally dead atmosphere considering there'll be about 20 scouts and 15 fans? Well, make sure you bring along Loud Mom. Loud Mom is so loud. Whether it's screeching, yelling, or yelling really loud, Loud Mom brings the noise. Loud mom, screaming since the dawn of time. Thank you to Loud Mom for stepping up uh, to bring you this special first episode of the season. We really appreciate the support. I want to be clear. I love Loud Mom. I hope so. I mean, she's making this this episode possible, so <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate that. And I think that that is also a good uh, maybe intro into uh, some of the stuff we're going to talk about later in the um, spectrum of college baseball environments that uh, Jake and I experienced over this past weekend. Um, but Steve, before we get to to Jake and I's uh, uh, experiences, um, you know, in, out out uh, IRL watching college baseball, I did want to have a quick conversation about the pitch clock. Not any of the specific things that happened because there were a lot of violations and guys getting called out and automatic balls, automatic strikes. And there were even situations where, you know, it would work in their favor, in a team's favor, guys calling time and it's not, and the team's still mad. And it's just like, people were mad about it this weekend, right? Different rules, different, whatever. Um, Obviously a lot of tweets about this. Jim Schlossnagel is putting out a tweet about this, whatever. Uh, Jake, we have already thought about the pitch clock a lot in relation to MLB that I think we really haven't been thinking about it a lot in relation to college and how people would react. So, Jake, I'll start with you. Uh, what was your reaction to these videos and or just these these happenings in the first weekend? Well, I have a question uh, before I argue a point. I guess let me. I need more information before I tell you what I've already thought about, uh, and that is what are the exact rules here? For the pitch clock, are they the same as MLB? Is it the same amount of time? What are I just need? I again, I actually don't know everything about baseball, so I just want to know what I'm looking at here. Steve, can you share? Um, so the rules, I believe, it's you have about 20 seconds to deliver a pitch, and the hitter has to be in the box while there's still nine seconds left on the clock. That way, the pitcher can have enough time to do the pitching motion. It's a similar. It's it's. I think it's slightly more than what the, the MLB ones are going to be this year, but I think it's the same idea. Um, yeah. So my thank you, Jordan. My general take is tough turkey. Fucking deal with it. And the goal of the pitch clock is simple. It is to make a quicker game. It is to create a better and more entertaining style of play. Because what we have seen in both the big leagues and in college baseball. There is a gap between what is optimal for the team and what is entertaining to the fan. And trying to bridge that gap in order to grow the game by making it more digestible for an average fan is a good thing. And hitters will complain and pitchers will complain and that'll even out in the end. But my general take is baseball players, I understand they're superstitious, but make an adjustment and learn how to deal with the new reality because it's not going away. So you can either whine about it, right? 
or you can learn how to do it. Now, what I am sympathetic to, and then I'll kick it to you, Steve, is that there was no spring training for college ball where MLB players are going to get like a month to onboard all this shit. Whereas college kids, it's like, I understand maybe they were doing practice and they've had pitch clock in the past, but it's not the same. It's like day one, you have to be on. And that's why I think it looked a little bit circusy this first weekend. But over time, I think we won't notice it within like a month. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems with the pitch clock is one, I don't like it. So that's number one. That's obviously. not a problem. <laughs> that's not yeah, a problem. That's an but opinion. I think one of the one of the runoff effects of it is there's going to be a lot more stolen bases just because first base coaches at the college level are absolute maniacs about trying to get their owners to steal. They don't always get the green light from third base, but they are crazy about it. And I think, you know, just – with the pitch clock, it's like, huh, there's three seconds left. I wonder if he's going to the plate. Probably now. Um, he'll probably he'll probably do something right now. So I think there will be a way for coaches or players, probably not players because they probably got to focus on running, but for coaches to kind of manipulate it and use it to bring us better base running, which, you know. That's that a part, good thing. That is a good thing. But here's my issue. I'm a – I'm a pitcher, you know, I don't like base running, but I think it would be better if on media day, every player in college baseball had to record themselves saying the most embarrassing fact about themselves. Then when they pitch or when they're hitting, if they take too long, that clip gets played on the broadcast and throughout the stadium. You will not have a single violation ever again because no one wants to admit that they shat their pants at their friend's bar mitzvah. You know? Hypothetically. Yeah, Steve, allegedly. Except for you. It, this doesn't work for you. If Steve was pitching under Steve's new rule, Steve would be stepping off all the time so that the world could know about his deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would run into the issue of some players with no shame, which... I understand yeah. in college baseball is a decent amount, but let them have the edge. Let those guys get yeah. ahead once. Where I generally stand again is like the NCAA is a farce on a lot of things. I don't blame them for this. And like coaches complaining about it to me, you did not prepare your team enough for this. You knew it was coming. And I understand there's a transition period to it, but whining about it is just lazy and counterproductive and just make an adjustment. So that's where I'm at. Jordan, where, where do you fall on this? Yeah, I think I'm somewhere in between. I mean, I do wish because there was no spring training that there was some level of like acknowledgement from the, um, and I, I, again, but I, I could argue both ways. Cause it's like the, 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 the only way we're going to get through this quickly is if we are enforcing it immediately. Right. But because you have spring training, that will be and the stakes aren't there. Some of these early games, especially th this was the problem, right? Those early tournaments, the first weekend, you have this huge college baseball showdown and, and, and this big league field. And these, and for some of these teams, it feels like some of the biggest games of the year immediately, right? And that's really yeah. cool, but like that's where it immediately just feels like a total mess. And so that's the part where, not that I think they shouldn't enforce it immediately or just like... I do wish that there was maybe a little bit more feel on the, from the umpire standpoint. The concept I have no problem with. I'm, I, I would be fine with because, again, there's there's versions of these college baseball games that we love it. Of course we watch it. But if we're going to grow it, just as we're going to grow MLB, hopefully, like it needs to be a little bit quicker, if not a lot quicker. 
And so for the concept wise, I agree, but yeah, in terms of implementation, uh, it was definitely a little bit, uh, I would say sudden, I think. Yes. And I, I think a way that they could have handled it and Steve, maybe this is the common grind, common grind, the common ground that we'll find right here. Weekend number one, make the clock 25 seconds. Weekend number two, make it 24. Weekend number three, make it 23. Like, shave that time off as the season goes along, right? So there's kind of an adjustment period. And then maybe you do, hey, you can get four step-offs in in February and March, right, instead of three or something. That yeah, maybe but- would have been a way to do it. But then you have an issue where it's not all the same. And I, it, there's no good answer here. I just don't think there's a, a solution necessarily. I think the biggest hit is we're going to miss out on some K-struts, which I love K-struts. I think it's fun after a pitcher strikes someone out and let let them act like they got, you know, they're the coolest guy in the world. Sure, let them do it. But now it's like, okay, through that pitch, now I'm running back to the mound. And I don't like that as much. I, I like the theatrics. I agree that I, for me... I guess, Jake, whatever. We talk a lot about pitchers for MLB, but, like, the time between batters for me is not as much of an issue as the time between pitches. Um, that's me personally, just as, as a viewer. Uh, because between batters, we're all resetting. We're all under, like, we're all... The problem is if you're losing interest during an at-bat, that's a problem, and that's what MLB has reached, and, like, that's what we're trying to fix, right? But those are bigger problems. You could hear us talk about that on other podcasts. Um, okay, let's get, back to the, let's get back to the fun stuff, which is the, the fact that Jake and I got to watch college baseball with our actual eyes this weekend. And I know, Steve, you were watching, certainly, the games I was at. Um, and so we'll, we'll save those for, for last. But, Jake, can we explain a little bit why, like, the c- context in which we are recording and why we maybe didn't watch as many games as Steve did this weekend? Uh, yes, yeah, Steve, where am I right now? You are in Florida in your car. <laughs> Correct. I am in the parking lot of a Wawa, no free ads, uh, just south of uh, Tampa, and I am here covering spring training for uh, our other job where we talk about Major League Baseball. And in the afternoons here, there's something called the Snowbird Classic that has been happening. Uh, and there have been college baseball games in the Tampa area every night. And me, as an addict, I have gone and watched a college game the last three nights since I got here. That has been really, really lovely. On Friday night, I went and saw Maryland play at USF, which was a super interesting experience. Really good crowd, I would say, from USF. I was impressed by the quality of the ballpark and the staff there and, like, the graphics and the video team. It felt like a Power 5 type of environment. Uh, Definitely, like, better than a lot of Big Ten environments and Pac-12 environments. I was very impressed with the situation at USF. Really good game. Um, Maryland went down big early. Jason Savakul, who's their starter, was really rocky, got knocked around a lot early on. Matt Shaw, who's Maryland's, like, stud, probable first-round pick, shortstop, went, he posted an offer, struck out twice, and got hit by a pitch and grounded a double play. So he made a great defensive play, but I didn't see a whole lot from him. Uh, Maryland ended up battling back behind a grand slam, which was cool, and then USF hung on. Really electric, tons of scouts there you know, agents everywhere. Like it was, it felt like a big, it felt appropriate for opening day. Right. And then the next day, uh, anything about that you want to say, Jordan? Well, I just wanted to say that, uh, 
you know, just we'll, we'll call it Maryland then hits a grand slam yesterday and a grand slam today, and then they, they looked a little bit better after those games. I know you didn't go see them anymore. But, but also, especially with the scouts, it's interesting how sometimes you'll see more scouts at the games for the guys that are, like, more mid-tier than the ones at the very, very, very top because the guys at the very, very top, like, again, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, I saw Chase Dolander. Like, there weren't as many there because it's like, well, He's going in the top five. It's it's a waste of my time. So so that was that's definitely part of it. I feel like Maryland USF was like the perfect level where it's just a crazy amount of scouts. Well, there were even more scouts at the other game I went to at Ohio State UConn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because it was you, like you, what you got to get those looks in. So yeah, what were the other Steve, games you saw? Well, I want to ask Steve, what was the most scout like? What was your first interaction with a scout? Like, do you have any funny scout interaction <clears throat> stories, Steve? Um. So most scouts didn't didn't interact with Steve much, believe it or not. Um, I had one well, interaction. I, I'll react to that after. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I, I had one interaction where a scout sent me an iPad to take a test and never told me the password. So I just had this iPad for like a week. And like I sent a text and I was like, hey, um, what's the password to this thing? And then eventually he like gave it to me and it was just like, it was the most boring iPad ever. It was just a test. Like you couldn't do anything else on it. And obviously I was like, I want to play around. Like I want to play angry birds. So that was weird. Um, I had one at in the South- words, one second in the words of her Brooks and miracle. I want the guy who didn't take the test. <laughs> you know, well, Steve, Steve, so it just arrived. Did it come in an Apple box or was it like, no, it was like, it was like from the guy's house. Like it was, it was in an otter box case and like not to be rude to the guy, but he, he was super nice. It was kind of dusty. Like it was used. And I did the test. Used dusty iPad to take a test. Believe uh, it or Scott's not, great. I think I failed because uh, I'm doing a podcast and not pitching professionally. So I had that interaction. Like- there was one. The better interaction. I wouldn't want to play for an organization that sends dusty iPads anyway. Yeah, I was like, come on, send send a Microsoft Surface. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I don't don't have a tablet preference. But um, and then another scout interaction came at South Carolina. Um, it was the day after day after our first game, uh, where we had gotten heckled pretty hard. We lost to South Carolina. A lot of people were being mean, and I was like, look. I love South Carolina's field. I want to go see a game there as a spectator. So I watch ODU and South Carolina play, and believe it or not, um, my face is one that people see, and they remember often because I guess I look a little different sometimes. And so a lot of people were giving me crap about not winning the baseball game, which hurt my feelings. So I went to the bathroom, and I was coming out, and I heard this group of three guys in khakis and, like, it was khakis, polos, bucket hats, and a Lululemon backpack, each and every one of them. And they they were, like, hollering over at me. They were like, skosh, skosh. And I was like, I'm not turning. That's not my name, you know? And they called another time, and they were like, are you really going to ignore us? And I turned around, and I go, shock ass. And, uh, and then <laughs> he, like, walked over, and I was like, he was like, oh, I'm a scout for so-and-so. And I was like, oh cool nice to meet you and he's like who's starting tomorrow i was like i don't know and i continued on my day but it was pretty funny <laughs> that's all scouts want to know is who's starting tomorrow yeah Very usually true. that's the info they try to garner from me 
So I let just, me hop back yeah. over to the Snowbird Classic, Jordan. Yep. UConn and Ohio State. First game in charge of Ohio State for Bill Muziello. Uh, I guess that was the game on Friday that I missed. But Ohio State looked a little rickety, I will say, on Saturday. Uh, a little little rusty. Maybe, you know, they didn't get, a, get to get outside a whole lot. Impressive stuff from UConn. But the atmosphere was certainly different than USF because they played it at the Orioles Spring Training Stadium. And both of these schools are, are located like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And neither of them are particularly large baseball schools. I mean, they're good programs, but they're not rabid fan bases necessarily. And so it was a very D3 field, Jordan. It, it had a very D3 energy that was helped by the fact that oh, uh, <laughs> UConn has like 100 D3 players. Very, very good ones, but a lot of D3 kids. I was very impressed by a kid on UConn named Ben Huber who is like a gigantic first baseman. He's 6'3", 245. And he has, he's a graduate student, and he has one of the best names in college baseball. Are you aware of this kid, Steve? Oh, baby, am I. Do you know, you want to tell Jordan his nickname? The Albino Rhino. Correct. <laughs> it's hard to topple that. That is amazing. The Albino and... Rhino, the Albino, the Albino Rhino, Ben Huber, just an absolute mountain of a man, like beach blonde hair. You should, looks like he should be like, like a bad guy in point break. And he took a ball to dead center and gone in the first inning of the game earlier today. And I was like, wow, that was yeah. impressive. I, he was I impressive. Mean, and then Andrew Sears was impressive. What were you going to say about Huber? I, I was going to say, I mean this as close to a compliment as I can get it. He's like literally just a little bit smaller than Griffin Dorshing. Like just a little bit, which it's, is... but it's similar vibes. That's a good. That's honestly a pretty good comp, right? I mean, this, the blonde. Although <laughs> it seems like his hair is more legitimately blonde than Griffin Norching's was, <laughs> so he can get get some some bonus points for that. But yeah, that that nickname wise, that is a much better follow up to the to the hurt in Albertan is the albino rhino. Um, yeah. So I love it. I love it. That's great. UConn's fun. They're good. Jordan, let's go out west. I want to hear about your time. Sure. So I am also covering spring training uh, in Arizona. And so I was very fortunate that uh, the old Tennessee Volunteers were in town for the MLB Desert Invitational. Now, before I get to how Tennessee did, I did want to comment about what you just talked about, like atmosphere wise. And a lot of these preseason tournaments, um, you know, we have the ones at Globe Life. We've seen the ones games played at Minute Maid, right, where college games are played in non non campuses. Right. Um, and to me, there's versions of that that are really cool. And, and if it's geographically convenient for the schools and it, they pack it and it's like there's 10,000, 20,000, you know, 30,000 people, like that's great. But that's rare. And honestly, like, so the first game I went to was Tennessee, Arizona. Now it was cool because it's, it's Arizona and obviously there's plenty of Arizona fans, but it was at Salt River Fields. And while there were a lot of people and it was like a good, like, it just, especially a spring training like complex it, it is just by nature very serene and not like hype low intensity <laughs> yeah and so while it is cool to see them and obviously i'm sure it's awesome for these kids to play on these facilities and the fields are great whatever the atmosphere is not it's just not the same it's not interesting all of that to say it made my saturday night which was tennessee at grand canyon at such a freaking cool park uh that was on campus, right? I mean, it's not that complicated, but to see a WAC school show out like that, still a ton of Tennessee fans too. 
that was amazing. That was so cool. So much cooler than than the first game. And uh, and I, and also an amazing game. And I, I assume you guys both watched that one. I don't know how much you watched Tennessee-Arizona. Um, so we can talk a little bit about that game. But, I mean, let's just go, before we can talk about the specifics, I mean, Tennessee's 0-2. Last year they were 31-2 and and lost their second game on April 12th, and now they're 0-2. I don't want to go too deep into it, but, like, my basic takeaway was, wow, your pitching did show up and was awesome, and you are still 0-2 because the entire lineup, most of which are new guys, just did not show up really at all, and the defense was a complete circus, particularly against GCU. So that was my takeaway from a basic, like, this is how they looked as a team, but it is making me very interested about what this Tennessee team is going to be moving forward. So, Jake, I know you, I- you were locked into this game. What do you think? Well, I, I just want to say that they did win today, so they are now one and two. Okay, good. I assume they, they I it. assume they did. UC San Diego. Okay, good. Got yeah, it. they took it to UC San Diego, and uh, Drew Beam struck out six and six, and only allowed three hits, no runs. They won seven to zero. Okay, good. Se- seven uh, runs that is, is what I'm I'm happy to see. Um, that is what we call a bounce back. And Tennessee certainly looked sloppy. There was a lot going on. Tony V maybe was my TV. Did he have a black eye? He did. He did. So I saw some stuff about that. He that happened just like took a liner in, in BP or during during workouts at some point. But again, it like added to just the bizarre. That was the other thing. So Maui Huna didn't play. That added to just like the bizarre energy around Tennessee. And I I still don't know if we have further reporting about what the fuck was going on there. But whatever reason, it sucked. And it doesn't sound like it had anything to do with anything the kids did wrong. That is what's most important. And it was really shitty. He had thirty family and friends come out, fly out oh to God. to that to Arizona. Um, it was nice. and he's from Hawaii. He's from yes. Hawaii. You should yes. say. He, Go ahead, Steve. He had that many family members out there. Yeah. Because yeah, you mentioned their defense was a little sloppy. The answer to that right there is it, it's him. Like it, it, he would have helped. Yes, he would have helped. He's gonna be so good. Like I understand not all the woes were ground balls to shortstop, but I still think he could run over to second base and field a few. You know, he he could do all sorts of things. He's a great yeah. baseball player, and I I just don't get it. You know, and it's because I'm on the outside. Obviously, I'm not involved in Tennessee baseball, so they wouldn't tell me why he's ineligible. But the thing about players being ineligible is there are so many reasons you can be ineligible that like it could be he just forgot to turn in a paper. Like it could be that. But if it's something like transfer paperwork wise. That's something that can get figured out in June, like when you're transferring exactly. over. I had issues with my transfer paperwork coming over from UMBC. It got resolved July 1st. Like, it got fixed. You can, like, it's stuff that can be looked at and fixed right away. And so I'm just wondering, like, where the mistake was or what what happened to it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I want to watch him. He's so good. <laughs> right, right. That's that's the obvious takeaway is we just want to watch him play. And again, like I said, without going into details, it does not sound like it was anything he did wrong. So hopefully he will play. He did, still didn't play today, but good to see them bounce back in a game they certainly should win because this is the other thing. I mean, Arizona is pretty good, and Grand Canyon is pretty freaking good for, you know, obviously a wax school. Like these, it's not like they lost. If they lost today, I, then I'm really concerned. Um, but it's not crazy that they could have lost these first two games. It was just, especially at, the, at GCU, like it wasn't sh- shocking. It was just kind of how they looked. It was just like a totally opposite of like the confidence they were playing with last year. So, but I'm sure that's true. Yeah. They they played really crappy baseball, and they lost three to one, and they lost four to three. 
So, like, they were still in both of these games, and they got great pitching performances in all three of these games from Dolander, Burns, and Beam. And they faced very impressive pitchers in those first two games against yeah, Arizona Nichols. and against Oh, man. TJ Nichols made yeah. himself some money. That's for sure. <laughs> he was, that was cool. He looked great. Um, so, yeah, but, but Arizona then, was cool. And then, yeah. Jordan, the kid at the end, Daniel Avita, who pitched, uh, you saw him – firsthand you have glasses he has glasses what were your takeaways yeah well I certainly appreciated that uh as a fellow you know bespectacled baseball person um yeah he's he was awesome and he was like I think whack pitcher of the year last year as a, as a true freshman um and Markle was good too but for them to piggyback those guys to, to to win it to be Tennessee was was so cool and like I mean yeah the, the environment was amazing and and obviously anyone playing like we said with LSU like anyone playing these teams regardless of if the whole lineup is different like people are going to be getting up to play these teams and that was very, very much the case. And also, we can't just talk about this without mentioning Jacob Wilson. Jacob Wilson looked great. I'm glad he didn't get hurt when he dove into the stands in the first game. Um, he was amazing against Tennessee. Uh, I don't know what they did today. But, yeah, Grand Canyon is super fun, man. And, and with those top two pitchers, like, they they should be, I mean, as far as mid-majors go, like, that's that's a pretty freaking good starting point. I was, I was super impressed with them. I have a bone to pick, though, with GCU, which is that, they when I say GCU, what do you think about Steve right away? GCU. I think about I think about uh, TCU somewhat. I don't know why. Yes, I yes I think about TCU because it rhymes with GCU, and they have the same font, and they're both purple and white. They really need to diversify away from TCU in some way because it's very con- confusing. If I were GCU baseball, because the school, like, they're fine, they, whatever. I think their uniforms should just say the Canyon, right? Because the the abbreviation in the same font and color scheme as TCU is so confusing, and TCU is such, like, a big brand in college baseball that it's really difficult for me to, like, separate those two. Fair. Yeah. Fair critique. I, I, I think that's interesting. If there were a way to like kind of turn the Grand Canyon into a mascot, I think that would be great. Um, but it's going to require a brain better than mine. I can't think of how to do it. They could be the Grand Canyon Canyons. Like just, their mascot's just like a huge chasm. <laughs> I would support that. I think that's that's. I mean, again, they're doing just fine as the Lopes, but I generally it's like a agree ten. With your... It's like a hundred mile long hole in the ground with eyes. It's going to be really hard to get in that costume. Um. Uh, I have my, my last Tennessee thought, uh, and then we can we can wrap up this pod, is um, I was wondering, like, okay, like they start weirdly out in Arizona. They play these first two games. Good to see them kind of get back out. And I was like, oh, are they going anywhere else before they go back home? They're about to play, I think, like 12 straight games at home against teams that are – going to give up some home runs probably and i think this team and some of these guys like blake burke and christian moore and jared dickey and hopefully ahuna like they could get their swag back very very quickly <laughs> now still just even based on watching the offense for two games i don't think they're gonna hit 150 home runs this year but uh i still do not i would not panic too much i just think it was a, it was it was an ugly showing to begin with but They'll be fine. They're still obviously awesome. And when the pitching is that good and the pitching showed up, like, I'm not that worried at all. Um, my last thought, and then we're going to say goodbye, guys. Um, 
there were a lot of see, Steve, you have a better sense for this than me. But it did seem like the ball was uh, the ball was flying this weekend. Uh, would it, <laughs> did, it did certainly appear maybe it didn't uh, as much for Tennessee as they would have liked, and in, in the Desert Invitational, not that many homers. But it, it seemed like the the ball was going over the fence in many college ballparks across the nation. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, you, you could say that. Um, we had Brett McCabe and Mac McCroskey both hitting three home runs in the opening day. Do you think that's normal? I again, this is if this is how it's going to be, like it was last year. Great. I just I I would like to just know that that is going to be the case, so I can kind of uh, adjust my expectations and understand. Like, am I rooting for someone to get to thirty homers again, like like Ivan Melendez? And I think the answer already after one weekend is absolutely <laughs> keep hitting the ball <laughs> over the fence. Uh, you college baseball teams across the country. So I just, I just wanted to mention. It seemed like we were getting some some high scoring offense. But do you? Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Do you happen to know what the very first hit of the year in Division One baseball was? I yes. Well, I was going to ask you this before. Uh, who, what you were doing for how you were watching the the first game of the year? I believe it was Middle Tennessee against VCU. So yeah, well, why don't you tell us, and then we will we will wrap this podcast. We had a uh, Brett Coker blast uh, the very first at bat he had. He hit a home run. So the very first hit, and very first. Um, oh my god! I just completely lost my train of thought. You guys ever have that happen? <laughs> Not you. The, nothing. You were what? you were in the middle of the sentence. It wasn't yeah, like that. I know. Sometimes you. sometimes it just goes off. But I was gonna say, with one swing of the bat, he got the first hit and first home run of the season. So personally, I think there might be something going on. He also hit another home run later in the game, which was sick. So does that make him the Delaware of college baseball, Steve? First, mm-hmm. the first guy. Uh, arguably so. Um, if you want to talk about Delaware, at Delaware State, we had a Trey Page hit for a cycle. <laughs> what a fucking cool. pro. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Baseball oh State, God. baby. Uh, Steven Schock, um, I, as we record this uh, on, on Sunday evening, there are still some games going on, so maybe there's some crazy stuff. I see there's a possibly insane ending for Stanford and Fullerton. Uh, maybe taking place but all that said we couldn't get to all of it we did our best we hope you enjoyed this first episode of the season thank you to the kind people who came and said hi at these college baseball games and said they loved the shock factor podcast that was very nice so uh we really we really appreciate the support we hope you uh enjoy um listening to us on on mondays all all season long uh jake steven uh, any final thoughts before we we say goodbye no just no it's been a crazy opening weekend we hope we have brought you insight into the college baseball world. We hope you enjoy it. If you do, let us know. Give us a review. If you don't, let us know. Give us a review. I will change. I'm willing to change for you. I mean it. Maybe. Steve will but- change for for all the loud moms out there. Steve will change for you. Thank you for <laughs> listening, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye. Uh-